we consciously go on social media daily searching for the Qurans of the day. And she's like, Ya Abata Ajaba Rabbandaa, Ya Abata Ila Jibrila Nanha, Ya Abata Jannatul Firdausina Ma'wa. When we talk of peer pressure, we generally want to think of the youth and the adolescents. And while they might be the more vulnerable sector, but the truth be told, we all take pressure from our peers, young or old, male or female. Assalamu alaikum everyone and welcome back to the IFG channel. With me I've got a very special guest today, Sheikh Suleiman Mula, all the way from South Africa. Uh, South Africa, right? Yes indeed, yes indeed. And Jazakallahu khairan for the opportunity, Brother Ibrahim. No, Barakallah feek, Sheikh. Um, and I've, I've long wanted to do this uh, as some, I think, followers of the channel will know I really like the poetry of Imam Shafi'i. So I love the fact that you know, you're know you really into your poetry in Arabic. Alhamdulillah. Um, it's always good to interact with people who can appreciate the richness of the content. You know, sometimes it's just a delivery and the general audience would uh, process the meaning. But someone who appreciates the, the linguistic, the dynamics, the richness of the language, the etymology, then it just enhances the interaction. So it's good to cross paths with you. No, barakallah feek, Sheikh. Sheikh, I wanted to start with uh, the, um, the, the famous poem about travel, yeah. uh, the Imam Shafi'i poem. I'd love to you know, listen to you say it as well. Um, and uh, as, a, as a traveler, what does that mean to you? Subhanallah, Jazakallahu Khairan once again, Brother Ibrahim, and uh, it's nice to be part of this forum and this uh, platform. So let, let's uh, take it on a level where we could merge that richness of couplets with a verse of the Quran. And that's, that's, that's the, the wholesome nature where you complement it. So in uh, chapter 18, Surah Al-Kahf, a chapter that we often read, um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reminds us of the journey that Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam had embarked. And again, it was a journey of knowledge. It was a journey of knowledge, right? Sometimes we forget the backdrop and the context to the journey. Uh, but the context behind it as the hadith of Bukhari in Kitabul Ilm, Qama Musa Khatiba, that the Prophet Moses, peace be upon him, stood up to give a public address. And uh, someone asked him in the congregation, Man a'lamun nas, O Musa, who is the most learned person? And of course, he, alayhi salatu wasalam, gave the correct academic answer, Ana, meaning Sayyidina Musa, alayhi salam. And who can doubt that he was the most learned person? Apart from being from the prophets, he features in the Ulul Azm prophets, as we know. وَإِذْ أَخَذْنَا مِنَ النَّبِيِّينَ مِيثَاقَهُمْ وَمِنْكَ وَمِنْ نُوحٍ وَإِبْرَاهِيمَ وَمُوسَى وَعِيْسَى بْنِ مَرْيَمْ وَأَخَذْنَا مِنْهُمْ مِيثَاقًا غَلِيظًا And فَعَتَبَ اللَّهُ عَلَى مُوسَى That's the words of Bukhari. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reproached Sayyidina Musa alayhi salam إِذْ لَمْ يَرُدَّ الْعِلْمَ إِلَيْهِ Simply because he did not direct the knowledge to the Almighty. And so Allah then tasked him to embark on a journey and meet an individual at the confluence of the two oceans. And of course, he set foot on this journey. And in Bayanul Quran, it is written, فيه الجد البليغ لطلب المرشد ما لم يفوت منه حق أوجب منه. So we get a cue from this verse, الجد البليغ. We need to go the great length and we need to traverse the planet المرشد, to find a mentor, to find inspiration, to find guidance. Provided it does not come at the cost of compromising on your fundamentals. And that's of course a qualifying statement because sometimes, Brother Ibrahim, you would know a person might attend a halaqa and then he or she feels inspired, motivated, and then they just want to like abandon mission and you know what, uh, tell their spouse or the better half or the employment, listen, as of tomorrow, I'm no more, and off I go. Uh, so no, that's not the teachings of Islam. Abu Dawood is the hadith, kafabil mar'i ithman, and yudayi'a man yaqood. It is sufficient to render a person a sinner if he's negligent with regards to his dependence. So this is the journey of knowledge, and that's precisely, uh, very aptly and succinctly, as Imam Shafi'i, uh, Muhammad bin Idris al-Shafi'i, rahimahullah, had said it, that تَغَرَّبْ عَنِ الْأَوْطَانِ فِي طَالَبِ الْعُلَى وَسَافِرْ فَفِي الْأَسْفَارِ خَمْسُ فَوَائِدِ تَفَرُّجُ هَمٍ وَاكْتِسَابُ مَعِيشَةٍ وَعِلْمٌ وَآدَابٌ وَصَحْبَةُ مَاجِدِ So my, my passion for, for Shafi'i started very early, you know. 
Uh, there was a time I slept Shafi'i, I got up Shafi'i, I walked him, I advocated him, and I almost momentarily became oblivious of all the other shu'ara that existed. And as I went in, you would be intrigued to know how many of the Sahaba. So we know Abdullah bin Rawaha radiallahu we know Ka'b bin Malik radiallahu anhu, when the three companions had fallen in Muta. فتغير القمر المنير لفقده والشمس قد كسفت وكادت تأفل that Zayd radiallahu anhu, Ja'far and Abdullah bin Rawaha, who, who had passed on in Muta, and then Ka'b bin Malik radiallahu anhu was mourning. And this was the beauty of the Arabs, right? They could mourn uh, and share their commiseration and condolences so freely and naturally. I mean, Fatima radiallahu anha is mourning the demise of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and she's like, Ya abata ajab rabban da'a, Ya abata ila jibreel nan'a, Ya abata jannatul firdawsina ma'wa. If I were to tell you or me, compose a stanza, you know what, I need blue skies, birds to chirp, calm waters, relaxed ambience, and then too there's no synchronization, it's not musajjah as they would say. Uh, you know, so subhanallah, Arabic poetry was something in my very rudimentary and elementary years that intrigued me and stimulated me and excited me. I cannot claim anything. You know, mashallah, you are a student of knowledge and mashallah, you've studied in Al-Qahira. Uh, the language is just beyond. So anyway, just to translate, and this is how it is, you know, one stanza stimulates you to another stanza and it just, that, it's, it just goes on and on. And uh, that is why I always love when people appreciate the richness of the language and they can understand what has been conveyed in one stanza. It's like, wow. Uh, and, and we know Shafi'i rahimahullah, what, in his mid-50s he had passed on. Yeah. He had, in his mid-50s he had passed on. I mean, he says himself that, uh, you know, in his teens he had memorized more than 17,000 poems wow. in his teens. You know, that was just so, and then he says, uh, yeah. Look at the verse, look at, yeah. it's just my word, I cannot tell you. So anyway, Imam Shafi'i says, Travel, traverse, move, you know, don't be stagnant. Uh, the verse of the Quran, When Allah had instructed Sayyidina Musa to travel, the ulama say the first word, idhab, is telling you, don't be stationed. Don't be stationary, don't be stagnant. A believer is one who moves, who leaps, who advances, who, who, who has a plan, who has something to do. And in travel, amongst many benefits, five are guaranteed. Just change of location, different atmosphere, just relaxes you. And often it's a source of generating revenue for you. You're interacting, this is a platform, this is an interaction. You are learning, I often quote this here, every person you meet in life knows at least one thing you don't know. Be sure not to leave him till you don't learn it. And sometimes you'll have the privilege, you will cross paths with erudite, venerable, honorable, august, prominent individuals, and through that you acquire and you upskill yourself. So yeah, it's amazing. No, barakallah feek, Sheikh. This is why I do these podcasts, because it gives me a chance to meet We all are learning, we all are learning. Sheikh, I wanted to share with you, because I think on the translation, um, the so the, the the person so for context for the viewers I've been working on a, a translation Masha'ala. and um, I find that and, and you you give a wonderful you know translation I find that when the translations they, they often lose the beauty of it oh um, so I have so many people that would phone me or email me to say listen I've memorized this poem after I heard it 
but I need you to translate it. I've Google search, I've got the translation, <laughs> but please, I insist you translate this for me. For example, I'm gonna share with you a poem I've quoted recently in my talks, where someone came to Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu, and it's academic language, and I'm sure the academics will appreciate it. And he says like, what's the difference between wajib and awjab? Right? And sa'ab and as'ab and qareeb and aqrab. Now those that are into Arabic grammar, etc., they're going to tell you that, you know, one is a noun that has a sense of comparison. One is a noun that is not in a comparative context, but it has a permanent meaning. And subhanAllah, Sayyidina Ali radiallahu anhu said, فَرْضٌ عَلَى النَّاسِ أَنْ يَتُوبُوا لَكِنَّ تَرْكَ الذُّنُوبِ أَوْجَبُ وَالدَّهْرُ فِي صَرْفِهِ عَجِيبُ وَغَفْلَةُ النَّاسِ فِيهِ أَعْجَبُ والصبر في النائبات صعب لكن فوت الثواب أصعب وكل ما يرتجى قريب والموت من كل ذاك أقرب ارتجالا ارتجالا on the spur impromptu you how profound you know uh, he just merged combined and conveyed it in such rich poetry this was surely a gift that Allah had conferred upon them no, definitely, definitely. Jazakallah khair, Sheikh. I wanted to, I want to share this, the, uh, the translation, because this guy, he, uh, the, 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 stu uh, the PhD student, he's, a, he's an expert in poetry as well. So he really improved, to be honest, my translation. Amazing. Uh, so with this one, he, he says, and he makes it rhyme, which I think is the big, that's the big challenge. So he said, Wander the lands to seek where greatness reigns, and travel, for that brings five major gains. Clear mind, a livelihood, a knowledge, taste and with friendship of great men be graced. Wow, uh, wow. That, that, that's really an accomplishment and, <coughs> excuse me, that's no mean feat to, to have the ability and the skill to translate it and yet preserve a poetic form to it in a different language. Salute to the individual. Amazing, amazing. Barakallah So Sheikh, I wanted to, um, we'll go back to the poetry, I'm sure it'll come in anyway, <laughs> but um, I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, you travel the world, and we live in the 21st century and there are a number of major issues that you know face every different era um, what are those what are the big issues that you think that you know muslims should really be focused on perhaps they're missing or perhaps they are alert to it what are those issues that you think we should be really focused on right now so i think it's a very broad brush i'm, I'm not sure precisely if you want to narrow it down i'll give you an analogy it's like uh, people would often phone me and say you know what we had a baby in the house can you give us a name so i said yeah what's it boy muhammad no uh, give us a name so uh, it's a girl aisha no give us a name so i'm saying listen do me a favor narrow down five names and then i'll choose one from there but if you don't give me contacts i can give you it's just like phoning someone listen i want to go for a holiday where must i go go to yeah. maldives yeah. no that's going to cost me an arm and a leg yeah. tell me your budget tell me your time tell me your company and then i can give you contacts yeah. so uh, I, I appreciate your question but i think it's very multi-dimensional and there's so many issues yeah. that have plagued and rocked the ummah and i deal with it uh, you know in my humble modest capacity i can talk marriage related i can talk drugs related i can talk disunity i can talk uh, financial issues yeah. uh, there, there's so many so i'm not sure precisely which angle you want to go then we could maybe Absolutely. labor that point a bit more i hope uh, uh, it's perfect so i would say Sheikh, two things one is the like the the cultural, you know, uh, and, you know, sense of self that people have. So like to give you a practical example, there's a, there's a lot of issues these days around, you know, um, gender and, and, and all of that side of things. Uh, I think there's, there's a sense of, you know, uh, Muslims uh, sometimes feel difficult to, you know, publicly and like, you know, confidently express their religion. Um, and, and that can be, especially if they get into the corporate world, I think that can be, you know, uh, it sometimes is held back and then also the financial side I'd love to you know get your sense on that as well okay let's 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 start with the first point that you said and I think uh, we can labor that in different angles and layers so uh, there is a sense of inferior complex and more so in the cyber world on the social media uh, the other day I mentioned this and I credit this, this to the Almighty you know the richness of the Quran for me, it's, it's just my passion and, and that pretty much dominates my talks. So we all know the tale, the story and the narrative of Qarun which features in chapter 28 where he came out with pomp, glory, opulence, flamboyance and he was flexing his muscle. And those that were attracted to the glitter and the glamour, they're like, wow, this guy has it all. 
إِنَّهُ لَذُو حَظٍ عَظِيمٍ He's a possessor of a great fortune, right? لَذُو possessor, حَظٍ share, عظيم, great. This is what we define in profile as lucky. And uh, it wasn't long thereafter they observed the catastrophic uh, implications and how Allah had ordered the earth to split and swallow him. And that was the end of him. And now they were retracting their envy. So I was doing a commentary of this ayah and I had a flash and I said, back in those days, the Qarun of that day came out one day. Follow my pattern of thoughts and I hope uh, my viewers will appreciate it. Uh, the Qarun came out one day, he had his pomp, he had his glory, he had his cavalcade, he had his entourage, he had his glitter, he had his glamour and uh, momentarily he mesmerized many people. Of course, those that had resolute and were firm. And that makes us understand that regardless of the odds and the challenges, the believers will always be firm because the devil made vows that he will come on this earth and mislead. But yet Allah said, Sultan, that some of my servants, you will not succeed, which gives us an understanding that regardless of the onslaught of the devil, it is possible and will always be possible to obey the Almighty. But today, Brother Ibrahim, and this is the point that I want to speak on, we consciously go on social media daily searching for the Qaruns of the day. Mm. So we, 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 we're not being exposed to them. Circums I sit in my hotel room and I'm looking for the Qaruns. Wow. And social media sensationalizes to even make the peasant into a Qarun. Even the pauper into a car, because that's what social media is all about. So glam, you know, just put that glitter, put that glamour, just give that aesthetics, just give that look. And I'm looking, oh, فَخَرَجَ عَلَىٰ قَوْمِهِ فِي زِينَتِ Am I right or not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's what we're doing. So I am deliberately, consciously depressing myself daily, because every single day, now. And it's all fake. It's all fake. And when, when at least Karun was real, it was real, it was tangible. Yeah. And then it's not like, like, like for Khasafna bihi wa bidarihi al-ard doesn't happen here. You see these celebrities go nose diving, mm. right? You see them go nose diving and they're hitting right down. But we, we, we still choose to continue to envy them or the way the media will mask them, etc. So, you know, it hit me so deep when I read this and Allah put this reflection in my heart. And I said, absolutely, this is it. Because there is a definite correlation today with depression, being suicidal, and excessive use of social media. Mm. What extent of our indulgence? We are a nation blessed and cursed by our innovation. Mm. We are a nation blessed and cursed. And of course, the world will never uh, have the courage to confess or concede if our curse has surpassed our blessings. Obviously, we, we're so intertwined and so connected. So, as a first point of reflection, I think we, there's, there's just too much of glamorizing of others. And unfortunately, one is being pre-exposed or disposed, but one is looking for it. You're actually looking for trouble. So I say this quotation often, I say, by the nature of life, every single day, you would be exposed to someone who has more than you and less than you. The choice is yours where you fix your gaze. Mm. But when you show up at the traffic light, the guy on the right is gonna be driving a more flashy car and the guy on the left will be driving something more simple. You could be either mesmerized and riveted and say, wow, that's wheels, that's awesome, that's my envy. Or you could look here and say thank you and be grateful. And I've seen this over and over. I was in East Africa and I've quoted this many a times. We were doing some welfare work. And so we got to the airport and we had planned to have a little nice breakfast on the run. And from there we had a hop uh, to Nairobi. So we were in Mombasa and from there we were flying back. And, and lo and behold, we got there. It was just a bistro and it was dry and there was nothing really uh, edible. And uh, we like, you know, on the run, that's it. That's it. You just have to, you know, be, put up with it. And subhanAllah, I would not say a word of lie or exaggerate. And suddenly I just seen an individual who had a certain type of disability. And may Allah grant shifa and afia to one and all. 
and it was a, a very strange type of disability. And, 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 I, and I hope I can be sensitive in, in the way I express the condition. I'll probably not need to even go into it, but the individual would, 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 would walk forward, but her foot would face the back. So of course, having a type of a boot, etc. And I just prayed for, for that sister and I prayed for Afia. Uh, and immediately I said, look here, I, I, are you still going to be crying about your breakfast? Yeah. Or has nature not given you a good comparison to say, wait, hang on, leave the breakfast. So this is it. But if I'm constantly exposing myself to Qarun and the likes of Qarun and the celebs and those that are living there. In fact, there's a joke I say in my talks. I say that that billboard that intrigues you, impresses me and is marketing 10 things. Husband, wife, stroller, baby, mall, exotic, perfect smile, walking, wow. You know, just look at everything, the skin color, the tone, the watch, the garments, the smile, the teeth, the f everything perfect. The only time those people have smiled was when that photo was taken. Go in their lives, there's no smiles. Yeah. So I think- And even the smiles are fake. It's fake, it's fake, it's fake. That was hadith of the Prophet وسلم, one of the signs of Qiyamah, that prior to Qiyamah, people will be honored out of the fear of their backlash. So like, have you ever heard of fake respect? Like respect is respect. Well, the Prophet said, before Qiyamah, everything's gonna become fake. Even respect is gonna become fake, that you will salute him just so that you keep yourself protected. The Arabic proverb, Sometimes the only way you can appease this barking dog is drop a slice of bread. So every day you pass in here, you're not coming to feed it, but you just want a free walk here. So you keep a slice of bread with you, just drop it and you can walk by pass, you know, freely. And that's how some people are. You got to extol their praises. You got to laud them. You got to flatter them uh, because they're so wrapped up in themselves. Otherwise, then you know what? There are consequences. So without digressing too much to address the first issue, coming back to the Quran, taking a cue from there. I think today we sit in too much and, and idolizing the lives of other people and just look at the implications it had on these people uh, and it negatively impacted and the fact that subsequently they said you know alas Allah gives sustenance to whomsoever he wishes and withholds so the word in the subsequent verse is a reflection that these people were actually believers that's what the experts on the commentary tell us so could be a neutral expression that it could refer to believer yeah. and disbeliever. Yeah. But then the subsequent expression of wake Allah, the adoption, the expression, and that's what the scholars tell us, impresses upon us that they were actual believers. So I think um, this is a serious point. And like I always say, Brother Abraham, forgive me, I can talk a bit too long, you know. It's perfect, no, don't worry. When we talk of peer pressure, we generally want to think of the youth and the adolescents. And while they might be the more vulnerable sector, but the truth be told, we all take pressure from our peers, young or old, male or female, right? Youth are a bit more vulnerable and susceptible. And when it comes to social media and looking and glamorizing and idolizing and looking at these Qaruns daily and how they came out and what their zina is and what their pomp is and what their glory is and where they made their presence and what they did. And this is negatively affecting us or impacting us because daily I'm having a sense of deprivation. I'm not, I mean, there was an interview uh, where young girls at the age of eight were interviewed in Australia and they said they're not happy with their appearance. Mm. At the tender age of eight, a girl has become fecal conscious, right? I mean, it's that time where we thought they play mummy, mummy, they have their doll, they have their pram, they're cooking, they're baking, they're running, they're so free, they're so natural, life is so wholesome, but they've become conscious. One of the verses of the Quran where the devil had made a vow that I will cause havoc on the earth and part of that havoc is that uh, people will be unhappy with the appearance that Allah has given them. So Sheikh, I was uh, thinking when you were speaking that um, you know, there's a the, uh, the verse of the Quran: "Zuyyan lil-nas hubb al-shahwat min al-nisa' wal-manina wal-qanatil al-mukantara min al-dhahbi wal-fitta wal-khayl al-musawwati wal-ami wal-harth." And and I was thinking that you know that's like the life pattern of a human being. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking myself as well, right? You know, when you're young, 
you is it's much more about the opposite gender uh, and then and then after that the children uh, and I've now got young children and and then you know you start thinking about uh, you know well you know because I've got a you know let's say mediocre car that's the next thing and and you know all of this is like a, the next bright shiny thing and we're, we're tracking that on social media yeah so I, I always say and mashallah that's a very brilliant reflection that you've shared so this is the irony of it is as you've spoken about the different stages phases and milestones and growth and development is when you're at the first point of this journey you really think this is the be all and the absolute so if we look at the verse in surah al-hadid so in that first phase is laib it's just general plain uh, you know just keeping yourself busy occupied it's some simple basic toy uh, to to keep the child busy and occupied and, and so for that child, Laib, the, the world revolves around that. If that Lego has broken, the, the castle has crumbled. Uh, it's, it's all about that small little basic thing. And that's literally his world. Um, and, and when we grow up, it's that same toy in a bigger version, which is our life. So I'm, I have a flash and this mentioned in the footnotes of Jalalain, you know, the tafsir, that uh, Pharaoh in his arrogance, uh, to divert people away from the Prophet Musa alayhi salatu wasalam, he said, oh, I, I don't think Moses makes sense. Well, ayyadu billah. You know what, Haman, just come up here, man. Just come up, which was, of course, his minister. Do me a favor, just bake this clay here. Just bake this. This is a verse of the Quran, right? Listen, just bake these bricks and put up a palace. So in the footnotes of Jalalain and in Qurtub it's written, he then deployed and employed uh, 50,000 masons and workers and laborers. Right? These are historical narrations. This is the verse, chapter 28, uh, and this is the context. And so he deployed these masons and laborers, and they toiled and they labored, and they went up with this uh, skyscraping building. And uh, he was the first to build a solid foundation, which was now uh, Fir'aun's version of that toy. So there was a child playing with his Lego. This was Fir'aun's uh, Lego going on that level. And then, uh, according to some narrations, Allah had sent Jibreel and just told him with one wing to just, you know what, nudge it, and it all came crumbling down. So, the point is, like you said, in your initial stage, in your youth, in your adolescence, as you move in, you're going through those hormonal spurts, and you can feel that calling, yearning, pining, wanting for partnership. You feel for, uh, you know what, uh, the opposite gender, for a better half. And of course, that's the perfect, uh, you know what, uh, um, calling of nature and this is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made us in fact I often say because Allah has intended the continuation of this world Allah has intrinsically instilled certain things in us and those very calls will then compel us to adopt those measures for the continuation of life so we, we could talk to a young person now and tell him, listen, the challenges, the woes of marriage. And he's like, listen, if you find me a good partner, let me know. Yeah. Because there's something within him that Allah has made. But here's it. So we said the first one as a child is la'ib. And at that stage, you think la'ib is everything. Then you move from la'ib into lahu. So it's not simple playing. It's a bit of amusement, a bit of entertainment. Mm. And when you're there, you say, oh, look at that kid. He's wasting his time. Man. That's so silly. You don't play with things like this. You don't go to a merry-go-round, man. You go to a circus. Yeah. You don't just go to the park, man. You go to a, uh, you know what, uh, some place of uh, cinema, or cinema or some entertainment or some, some, some excitement, something that got more stimulation in it. And then you move on there. And then you move on to Zinatun. And that's your beauty. And at that time, I often alert the youth of it to be conscious, be conscious. Because in the stage of, of beauty, uh, you know, you'll spend hours at, at the hair salon. Uh, you'll spend hours uh, cleaning your car. Uh, you'll spend hours arguing with the tailor. Those are the three general people, that's my observation, that are on the receiving end just because you, 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 you're super meticulous. And again, there's a hadith of Bukhari, we just spoke of Qarun. The, the Prophet said, Bainama rajulun yamshi. Uh, a person was walking and he was clad in a full uh, uniform. Uh, nafsu. Those are the words of the hadith. He was impressed by himself, he was looking good. You know, you just see sometimes in the mirror. And he's, you know, 
And it's, okay, it's, it's just so much time into that mirror to look good, to look great, to look amazing, to look impressive, to, to, to give off this notion, to get that compliment, to secure that year. You know, someone said, uh, how life has changed. Back in the days, you kept everything in a diary, and that was private and personal. And if anybody read it, you took offense. Now you throw everything out on social media, and if people don't read it, you get offended. <laughs> like, you didn't read my story, you didn't like it, you didn't retweet it. So just look at how things have evolved, you know? And then you're into that stage of Zenatun, and it's all about beauty. It's cosmetics, it's pigmentation, it's going to a dermatologist, it's going for orthodontics, it's going for aesthetics, it's just all of this. And I often say, Brother Ibrahim, and I mentioned this extensively in my talks, we focus so much on straightening our jaws, yet not our teeth. A straight jaw will get you married, but it takes a straight speech to keep you married. So you might look great with that orthodontics and you might impress your prospective spouse, but that's not going to keep you married. To be married, you need straight speech. And then you move on to that stage which you spoke about. It's this is it. And the word tafakhur, and that's the beauty of the Arabic, comes from tafa'ul. And tafa'ul gives the meaning of janibain, mutual. So it's mutual rivalry what you own, what I have. There's the subtle and active comparison, brands, places, locations, uh, residence, uh, cars, watches, holidays, uh, everything's just this constant comparison, constant comparison. And I, I, I often mention, and I don't want to go into too much detail, that nobody can give a summary of human existence on earth in such a comprehensive way other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Like barely one verse and Allah sums up from inception right till the end that these, yeah. these are the phases. And listen, it's like rain that has come on a garden, that has come on, on a plantation. And Subhanallah, even here the scholars make such a profound deduction. So Allah says when the water comes down, it's green. And, and, and the tillage and the farm and the orchard looks pleasing to the eye. Now, Allah uses the term The farming looks impressive to the disbeliever. Verbatim translation. Academics, linguists, grammarians, philologists will tell us there's two angles here. Kuffar could literally mean the disbeliever or it could mean the farmer, right? Because it means one who conceals. Right. So if we take the meaning of farmer, right, that, that the farm looks impressive to the farmer and taking the linguistic meaning of it because he is concealing, meaning planting the seed into the ground. I'm sure you know what I'm saying and I hope our viewers will appreciate. So what's the reason to say that it impresses the farmer? Because in every matter, you want the view of the authority. If it's, so you, you, you go for, a, you go for a, a toothbrush, what they say, approved by your local dentist. You go for a cream, the choice of your dermatologist, your optician's uh, spectacles. So approved by the authority. So the farmer says this looks great. The farmer says, so if the farmer says this looks great, then of course it's great. While the other view is, and, and, and I really like this here, A'jab al-Kuffar. And there is this principle in tafsir that if something could be understood literally, then there's no need to migrate figuratively. So if there is a literal reconciliation to that year, then you take it. So Allah says, this farm, this garden, this orchard is impressive to the disbeliever. So, so the academics and the scholars ask the question, and I hope I'm not being too academic here. No, that's fine. Yeah. So, so when a garden is green and it's lush and it's blossoming and it's wholesome, why would Allah say it looks pleasing to the eye of a disbeliever? because it looks pleasing to everyone, yeah. believer and disbeliever. Subhanallah, look at the depth of Quran. And the scholars say the reason is, a'jaba means to be impressed, to be intrigued about it, to be obsessed about it. Like, wow, you know, a'jabatni qaryatukum, a'jabani baladukum. I really like this place, it's great. So, a believer, even if he enjoys the transitory mundane benefits, he never reaches a level of obsession with this world because he knows the ultimate is Akhirah. Hence Allah said, That that plantation, that greenery, 
uh, is great, it's wonderful. It will intrigue the eye of the disbeliever who only looks up to this world. But the believer with the deeper eye, he says it's great. He, 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 he moves into his new house and you congratulate him. And you say, hey bro, mashallah, congratulations, you got a new house. And he's like, alhamdulillah. But of course, the absolute joy will be the day I can move into my house in Jannah. So he's always looking beyond. So i'jab bid-dunya, becoming impressed and obsessed is not of a believer. So the beauty of Islam is, and, and like I keep on saying, the more we read, understand, comprehend, and, and appreciate, Quran doesn't deny you uh, staying. In fact, there's a verse in the Quran, قُلْ إِنْ كَانَ آبَاؤُكُمْ وَأَبَنَاؤُكُمْ وَإِخْوَانُكُمْ وَأَزْوَاجُكُمْ وَعَشِيرَتُكُمْ وَأَمْوَالٌ أَحَبَّ إِلَيْكُمْ Your wife, your children, your business, your treasures, your wealth. Allah didn't say if you love it. Allah said if you love it more than me. So the ulama say, it is permissible to love, it's necessary to love. Because otherwise, how would you live on this earth? How would you live on this earth if you don't love your spouse, you don't love your children, you don't love your wealth? Allah says you love it. When wealth came into Medina, Sayyidina Umar said, Allah, we are not from amongst those that are going to say we don't love wealth. We do love it, give us the ability to use it where you want us to spend it. So the word ahabba, which means more beloved, impresses upon us that it's permissible to love. Yes, don't love it more than Allah. Now, how do you decide if you're loving it more than Allah? You can only decide priority and preference at a point of conflict. When it's harmonious, then your claim cannot be substantiated. So for example, I have a good relation with you and say there's brother Muhammad here, you and brother Muhammad have a good relation. And I claim, no, I'm closer to Ibrahim. But there's a beautiful triangle between the three of us. There's no hiccups, no glitches. Mm. I would be put to test in my relation with you the day you and him have a hiccup. Where will my loyalty go? Mm. And that's what Allah wants to know. That when there's a conflict in your, inter in your business and the command of Allah, are you then going for what is more lucrative? What is more meaningful? What offers you more revenue? Or are you driven by the obedience of Allah? So it's wholesome. Love your wife, love your children. The Prophet was on the member. Hassan and Hussein came. He said, fitna. He embraced them and he showed them love. The Prophet passed away the same day Abu Bakr comes to Hassan. The day the Prophet of Allah passes away. It's a very long poem, but it's, it's, there's a diwan of Abu Bakr anhu. It's amazing, you must read this here. On the demise of the Prophet وسلم, I have this colossal weight on my back and my back is just broken. Oh my Habib, I cannot begin to process. I cannot begin to process the gravity of the test that will stare me in my eyes, knowing very well I will never see you again. <laughs> and it's Abu Bakr. It's Abu Bakr radiallahu whose whole life was the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And it's the day that the Prophet passed away, and yet Abu Bakr sees Hassan, picks him up, embraces him. Who could be more consumed by anyone's death in the history of humanity more than Abu Bakr by the demise of the Prophet But he did not deny the child that moment. He picked him up, he embraced him, he kissed him. And then he looked at Ali and he said, no offense, he's a reflection of his maternal grandfather and not pretty much his biological father, right? And of course, that's an honor to, ref to yeah, be re yeah. resembling the Prophet The scholars say that from the head to the belly button, Hassan radiallahu resembled the Prophet And from the belly button going down, Hussein radiallahu anhu resembled the Prophet And the walk of Fatima radiallahu anha, makanat mishyatuha tukhti'u min mishyati Rasulullah So within mom and her two sons, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala had kind of kept encapsulated the life of the Messenger Sheikh, I wanted to um, get you um, to share your thoughts around the, some of the financial ills as well that are facing the Ummah. And I thought in particular, I'd love to hear your thoughts around 
um, you know, the, the dust of riba, yeah. that's just everywhere yeah, these yeah. days. Our line of work is around investments and, you know, Islamic finance. And I would love for you to, you know, encourage the, the watchers that, you know, if you are, you know, everyone has a little bit of riba involved somewhere, whether it's their job or their career, business, you know, their investments, whatever it might be that, you know, make this a month where they can, you know, clear that out. Barakallahu feekum, Brother Ibrahim. I, I, I doubt there could be something more pertinent that you could have raised. Again, I often say to people that are searching for the veracity of Islam, and I say to them, look at the chapter on Maghibat. And if somebody was just to sit and open up the words of the Prophet Sallallahu which he prophesies that will happen, that's adequate to bring a person into Islam. Just look at the prophecies of the Prophet This is going to happen, this is going to happen, this is going to happen. And just study all those prophecies which stare us today in our face. And the Prophet said, a time will come that everybody will be gripped into the system. Like, look at these words of the Prophet that even if a person is going to restrain and manage and limit and behave and discipline himself, the vapor, the smoke of the interest is somehow going to affect him. And today you look at the commercial world, you look at the banking system, however it is. Like, like when I read this, I just want to scream and re renew my kalima to say like how apt. And there is a narration, right? Uh, some have argued one, two narrators in it are weak. But of course, it's not a fabricated narration. I can assure you that here. Abdullah bin Mas'ud radiallahu anhu has narrated it. Where the Prophet wasallam said before Qiyamah, Wow, just subhanallah, read the narration. It's in Bayhaqi, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, Marfu'an. The Prophet said, a time will come, a person will lose his faith at times because of his parents, at times because of his spouse and his children. And how? They will taunt him on his financial standing. No, dad, that's not enough. You're not delivering. You're not. And they will task him beyond his, thresh, his economic threshold. But listen, this, this is it. I cannot earn what I cannot do. I'm saying my brother, my sister, my listener, my viewer, these are the words of the Prophet So the man is constantly having to prove himself, to deliver, to maintain. I need a holiday year. We need to up the game. I'm done with economy. I need to fly business. I need to book in this hotel. I need this place here. And it will be do or die, make or break. Either you salvage the union and resort to haram, or you, 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 you refuse the haram and the relation goes pear-shaped, one or two. And I mean, there's a hadith in Tirmidhi where the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufri wa'd-dayn. Oh my Lord, save me from disbelief and save me from debts. Right? We could touch on debts. Luqman Hakim said to his son, Iyaka, Iyaka wa'd-dayn, fa'innahu I mean, how rich, how profound. And um, I know back home as well, but I believe here weddings can be quite exorbitant. Extremely, yeah. Yeah, I, I, yeah it's, 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 it's crazy uh, how expensive it is. You know, when, 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 when weddings were simple, zina was difficult. And when we made weddings difficult, zina has become simple. If you fear Allah, you're going to shy away. But if you don't have the fear of Allah, you're going to say, well, zina is so cheap and so easy and so simple. But of course, that equates and is tantamount to the wrath of Allah. Um, but principally, nikah in the teachings of Islam is simple. I mean, the hadith of Bukhari. The hadith of Bukhari, you know, of that woman who came and she presented herself to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. وَامْرَأَةً مُؤْمِنَةً إِنْ وَهَبَتْ نَفْسَهَا لِلنَّبِيِّ إِنْ أَرَادَ النَّبِيُّ أَنْ يَسْتَنْكِحَهَا A verse of Surah Al-Ahzab. 
where she, uh, you know, modestly presented and the messenger وسلم, modestly gazed at her and then respectfully declined to say that he does not intend marrying her. And uh, so there was a companion عنه, who was present and he said, Oh, Prophet of Allah, I would be interested in marrying the sister. And he وسلم, said, Okay, but what do you have to offer in dowry? And he says, Nothing much. Uh, and the Prophet said, Walo khatam, what about just a ring? And he says, No. And the Prophet said, What do you own? And he said, It's what I'm wearing. And then the messenger, the hadith is in Bukhari, and the messenger وسلم, said, okay, have you memorized any chapters of the Quran? And he said, yes, I know this, and I know this, and I know. And he said, idhab faqad bima ma'aka min al-Quran. Okay, go. I have handed her over and solemnized this marriage, the dowry being that you would teach her that which Allah has taught you. So coming back to the narration of uh, Tirmidhi, where the Prophet وسلم, said, Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min al-kufri wa dayn Oh Allah, save me from disbelief and save me from deaths. Now, the commentators commenting on the hadith, they always try and find the correlation between the two. So why did the Prophet of Allah uh, combine this with that? For example, speaking lies, Allah says in uh, uh, Surah Al-Hajj in Juz 17, Chapter 22. فَجْتَنِبُ الرِّجَسَ مِنَ الْأَوْثَانِ وَجْتَنِبُ قَوْلَ الزُّورِ Where Allah says, abstain from lies and abstain from idolatry. So the scholars tell us the repugnance of lies can be understood from the fact that Allah has paid its prohibition with idolatry. I, I don't know if you're following what I'm saying here. Yeah. Like Allah is saying, avoid idolatry. And in the same vein and in the same breath, it says, don't speak a lie. So you can appreciate the gravity, the intensity. Okay. Yeah. So here the Prophet of Allah is like, oh Allah, save me from disbelief and save me from deaths. So a companion is like, oh Prophet of Allah, is deaths equal to kufr? And he says, yes. And the scholars say, how and why? And subhanAllah, look at this explanation. When a person has overwhelming deaths, and he can't meet it because he needs to live a particular life and he needs to live that up and he's just incurring debt upon debt and interest upon interest and now he's under enormous pressure so he has to deliver at any cost so he will even resort to haram unlawful and even forsaking his faith whether i need to gamble whether i need to play the slots whether i need to do fraudulent things whether i need to usurp whether i need to extort a riba what Whatever it is, I will do because the burden is too much. But more specifically on, on, on riba, ironically, last night I had an address and I, I spoke on this here in Tafsir Uthmani. And I'm sure you've been, uh, you know, trying to get people out of riba. Uh, you'll appreciate the richness of this example. And I just find it so amazing. So it is uh, in chapter 2 in Surah Baqarah in Tafsir Uthmani. Uh, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that, uh, you know, that you are waging war with Allah and His Messenger sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And if you repent, claim back your, your capital investment. That's the teachings of Islam, right? Uh, don't exploit and don't be exploited by others. Uh, don't usurp and don't let others extort. So look at the analogy given in Tafsir Uthmani, La ilaha illallah. The Mufassir writes, Alama Shabir Ahmed Uthmani rahimahullah, rahmatan wasi'ah, that your wealth that is growing and developing, supposedly maturing through investment, is like a person eating unhealthy fast food and he's becoming obese. So the superficial, the shallow eye will say, oh, that guy's big, man. That guy's huge. Wow. Look at that guy, how huge he is. But the smart eye, the intelligent eye will know, no, 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 no. That's not muscle. That's fat. That's obesity. That's predisposing him to diabetes. That's predisposing him to a cardiac arrest. That's predisposing him to a host of medical conditions. So in a similar way, the injection in your wealth through interest and usury is obesity in your wealth which is subjecting your wealth to miseries, sicknesses, accidents, depressions, marriage. It's, it, you cannot be happy. 
And Sheikh, you know, in the, when, when they do this, it's even in reality as well. How many people do we see wiped out absolutely, in the global financial crisis? Absolutely, we've okay. seen it. I mean, we're seeing the banks. Yeah, yeah, we're seeing the banks yes, go down. Yes, so it's yes. like you know, when you were speaking, I was I was thinking that's basically a reflection of the financial system, yeah, where yeah. you think the U.S. banking system or the you know certain it can never go bust, and and then it does. Yes. So there was a good friend of mine in California. I had spent three Ramadans there, and mashallah, he was on a good wicket and earning fairly well, but he was renting, and back that time he was paying. Uh, a hefty sum for, for rental and people said you know what uh, why don't you take a loan and you know interest bearing loan and in 20 years and whatever else have you and he said you know what I might not be the owner of the house but he said just compare the lives of others and compare my life my life has been a life of happiness bliss barakah I might not have a title deeds attached to my name but wallah, I have seen happiness. And there isn't one exception to this micro or macro. Whoever has uh, been embroiled in interest, my, 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 my uh, elder brother, uh, Ismail, he always says, and this was one of the profound impressions my dad had uh, impressed upon him. He says, early days, one day my dad walked into a shop and uh, this person was, was really growing and you know that, that's how it is just like the person's eating food. he's growing big and big and he's expanding and suddenly wow it's a new property and it's a new fleet and it's a new showroom and relocating and new premises and going up and billboards and advertising this is growth this is exponential but it's obesity setting in mm. and so this thing was going but the bubble the, 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 it, the, the, it has to pop uh, you know the balloon has to pop and it has to bust and so my dad walks in and, and he sees this man's whole life is gone and his nose diving and he lost everything, everything, everything. Uh, and because that's the thing with riba, it doesn't just take out the riba, it takes out everything. Everything. Because they own you. Exactly. I mean, you, 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 you seeing it, you living it, you witnessing it. Uh, and it, it's, it's a vicious circle, you're in quicksand, it's just, you're spinning, you just don't come out of it. You know, uh, and yet if you stay out of it, we're not saying the days might not be challenging. If you frugal, you thrifty. Like I always quote, they say, uh, for marriage to be healthy, it's not about being 50-50, it's about being thrifty, thrifty as well, right? So you need to be frugal, economic, balance it out. Listen, love, we have so much, we'll manage. We'll skip a holiday. We don't have to have so many eat outs. We'll manage this car, we'll rent here, we'll buy this here. And if we create that structure, and we don't expose ourselves to the Qaroons daily, thereby, you know what, uh, dangling this candy before family members. There will be happiness and goodness. It's the unequivocal declaration of the Quran. So it's a very serious thing that how many people unfortunately continue to be in the system of riba, uh, realizing it. I mean, today, even, 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 even the, the, the non-Muslim, the economists, the Western world, uh, for whatever reasons, even they have seen through it. Yeah, I was once in Australia, and I won't forget this, we were in Perth, and we were sitting down, and there was a revered brother by the name of Suleiman, and he asked me, he said, uh, why is interest forbidden? Give me a logical perspective. And at that time, I had not come across anything logical that I read, you know, but like I always say, all the commandments of Allah are logical and some are beyond your logic. Nothing is illogical. And it is very unfair if you cannot comprehend it to claim it's illogical. Mm. So it's beyond your scope. And I said the reason why it is forbidden, of course, the command of Allah is the absolute, but just to give a common you know, rationale to it, is that Islam is based on a system of mutual helping and supporting. And this system's lifeline is exploitation. It's thriving, it's, it's there to create a wider gap. So BBC had an article which I read in mainstream that the world's richest 1% has the same amount of wealth as the world's remaining 99%. With such a disparity in economics between the super elite and those that are on the other end, can you imagine the, the rise of social evils? Jealousy, hatred, malice, rancor, antagonism, uh, murder, what, just because this gap is getting wider and wider. So, and Sheikh, the, the, the other crazy thing about it is, is the way that riba works, where does that money come from? It's often the wealth of the 99%. Because they put it in a bank, there you go. and then that bank, you know, blows it up ten times, 
and it gives the, to the people and that's you know how the whole thing goes around yeah and yeah. when the bubble pops the 99 percent get they are the ones that it's suffer. their money mm-hmm. it's crazy yeah Sheikh, I wanted to um, wrap up and, you know, we, a lot of our viewers would be, um, you know, investors, professionals, entrepreneurs. What would your, you know, what's your, you know, your kind of advice to them be? Um, so here's, here's uh, you know, the richness of our deen and the comprehensive nature is so amazing. And I'll maybe just tie it up with that sentiments. So the, 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 the economic eye is that, listen, give a loan to someone, interest bearing loan, your thousand quid, your thousand pounds, over X amount of time will become 1,500. And so that's how, you know what, you inflated, your revenue became more. Now this is the teachings of Islam, that listen, you've got surplus money sitting there, give it to your brother, let him buy the car, let him pay that off. You're not gonna get any return beyond what you got. In fact, that's what Islam tells you, that you know what, if that's surplus for you, then give the debtor grace. Now what's gonna happen by you borrowing him that money? By you borrowing him that money, his heart is going to pray for you. That prayer is going to bring you more than what 500 quid can ever give you. That's going to give you happiness in your home. That's going to give you blessings in your home. And the hadith of the Prophet and the ayat that I recited, Rahimallahu rajulan samhan idha ba'a idha shtara. May Allah have mercy on a person who's soft, who's gentle, who's lenient, who's accommodating. When you sell, when you buy, when you are demanding your due. I just want to share quickly to, 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 to those that whom Allah has given wealth, the entrepreneurs, the businessmen, the philanthropists, uh, you know, those who have the economic muscle. May Allah bless you, grant you goodness, etc. The first thing I would say to you, my brother, my sister, whoever you are, as a Muslim, we need to know, realize and understand that whatever you have is a God-given bounty upon you. Nobody has a monopoly over it. The day you think it's your wealth, You've, you, you, your ship is sinking. Mm. Your ship is sinking. The day I think my skill is mine, I've lost it over. Sayyidina Ali said to Jabir, فَحْذَرْ زَوَالَ الْفَضْلِ يَا جَابِرِ وَأَعْطِ مِن دُنْيَا كَمَنْ سَأَلَهَا فَإِنَّ ذَا الْعَرْشِ جَزِيلُ الْعَطَاءِ يُضَعِّفُ بِالْحَبَّةِ أَمْثَالَهَا وَكَمْ رَأَيْنَا مِنْ ذَوِي ثَرْوَ It's a long poem, but exactly what we're talking about. فَحْذَرْ زَوَالَ الْفَضْلِ يَا جَابِرِ O Jabir, beware, be vigilant that you don't lose what you have. وَأَعْطِ مِنْ دُنْيَاكَ مَنْ سَأَلَهَا And whoever comes knocking your door, within reason, offer your assistance. فَإِنَّ ذَا الْعَرْشِ جَزِيلُ الْعَطَاءِ يُضَعِّفُ بِالْحَبَّةِ أَمْثَالَهَا Because Allah is kind, gracious and merciful, He will multiply in many folds. وَكَمْ رَأَيْنَا مِنْ ذَوِي ثَرْوَةِ And how many a wealthy, affluent people we've seen who lost everything. So I'm saying to the wealthy out there, Allah has given you, and there's a verse in the Qur'an in chapter 2, the longest verse of the Qur'an, right? Allah says, وَلَا يَأْبَ كَاتِبْ أَنْ يَكْتُبْ كَمَا عَلَّمَهُ اللَّهِ فَلْيَكْتُبْ And tell the literate person and the scribe that he must not hoard his skill of literacy. Mm. And I always say this here, whatever little Allah has given me in the field of speaking and oratory, this is an amana. Your role that you're doing, this is an amana. A believer needs to understand nothing belongs to us. It's an amana. So Allah says, tell the scribe and the literate person, you know what, you, some, you're at an airport and somebody says, help me furnish the day, back off. No. That's a verbatim translation, mashallah, you know it, but for the benefit of the viewers. And if you have a skill, then share it, transmit it. Because that's the preservation of what Allah has given you. Yes, Islam is user-friendly. If you need the skills of someone, don't impose on them, don't infringe on them. Don't just like get up and do it now. You need to be sensitive. So to those out there who have, you know what? The preservation of what you have is to help others. And I'll leave you with this last reflection here. And this is, for me, the soul and the spirit of Islamic banking. Right? I was recently in, East, uh, in West Africa, uh, in Nigeria, and if you know, they, they, they are leaders and forerunners in Islamic banking. And mashallah, they, oh, they, they do amazing. Uh, so alhamdulillah, there's a great awakening around the globe. They, they're very big in Islamic. Uh, so I, I, I spoke at a, at a conference there. And so there was a, a, a panel prior to me on, on, on the Sharia compliant options and Islamic bankings, etc. So 
the, the, the incident of, uh, you know, uh, Abdullah bin Zubair radiallahu anhu, it's a long story, it appears in Sahih Muslim where his dad had called him on the eve of the campaign of Jamal and his dad said to him, listen, I'm going and I don't think I'm going to come back and the thing that worries me the most is my dad's. I'm worried about my dad's and please, you know what, uh, as soon as my eyes close, arrange to the rituals, بِعْمَالَنَا uh, sell my wealth, dissolve my assets, and clear the liabilities. And then he made the bequest of a third. And a ninth of the whole estate for his grandchildren. And then, of course, this rapport between father and son is just like, wow. And he's like, The hadith of Sahih Muslim, if you have an issue, consult with my master. And I'm still processing, my daddy's saying he's going, he won't return. I'm like, Dad, who's your master? And he said, Allah. Long story short, Brother Ibrahim, read the narration and I invite the listeners and the viewers to open the hadith and see it. Uh, there's a whole write-up on it. He says, after the burial of my dad, I did the calculation. فوجدت ما كان عليه فوجدته ألفي ألف ومئتي ألف. My dad was owing two million two hundred thousand dirhams. That was the liabilities of my dad. But the best part of it is now we're talking of Islamic banking. You're talking of a Muslim's ethos, and that's what I'm saying. Help, empower, give someone. You know what? That that's the thinking. So 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 the world only wants to see through the lenses of if I give, what do I get? That, 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 that's the world. It's a selfish world. It's out there. What's there for me? Well, what's there for you is the du'as of, of, of the Prophet wasallam, the blessings of Allah, uh, the, the happiness of that family. And that what will give you and your family is way more than that money that's going to come back in, 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 in monetary form. My dad died leaving behind 2,200,000. But the irony of the whole thing is he never borrowed a dime. That's the hadith of Sahih Muslim. He never borrowed a dime. وَإِنَّمَا كَانَ دَيْنُهُ الَّذِي كَانَ عَلَيْهِ أَنَّ الرَّجُلَ كَانَ يَأْتِيهِ فَيَسْتَوْدِعُهُ إِيَّا فَيَقُولُ اللَّهِ أَخْشَى عَلَيْهِ الضَّيْعَةِ وَلَكِنْ هِيَ أَمَانَةِ So how did my dad incur this year? A person would come to my dad and say, Oh Zubair, please keep this 50,000 dirhams for me as a, uh, yeah, yeah, as a banker. As a banker, thank you. Thank you. Uh, please keep this for me. So my dad would say, no, 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 no. If I'm just going to keep it like this year and without negligence on my part, the money disappears, then you know what? You lose your money. So let's secure your money and I convert this 50,000 into a loan. So my dad would take the money. People would come and keep by him as, 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 as trust, right? Huh? Like, like, like I read in one book, the author writes so beautifully. So the disbelievers of Makkah, you're a liar, O Muhammad You're a soothsayer, you're a fortune teller. Uh, but please, will you keep my money for me? Because you know what? I don't trust anyone else. La ilaha illallah. Can, can you imagine that the trustworthiness of the they, they were They were obnoxious, they were malicious, they were prejudiced, yet they f could not find anyone else. And so my dad would take this as a banker to secure their money. And he would convert that trust into a loan. And then people would come and ask him for help. And then he would help them with that money. So he would do two things. This is Islamic thinking. This is the, the, the soul of the Muslim businessman here. He's taking that money to secure that man's trust, converting it into a loan. I mean, today it's unimaginable. It's inconceivable. And I'm giving you the authentic narration. And then he would take that money, make it into a, 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 uh, a loan so that your money is guaranteed. And then he will help the next person. And when he passed away, he told his son, listen, this is the thing you need to. And of course, he settled it immediately. Hakim bin Hizam, who was a very generous man, who was a very, very generous man. And here again, I'm saying to the wealthy, the business, the economic, the philanthropist, Hakim bin Hizam, pre-Islam, 
he came to the Prophet well, prior to Islam, he was a very generous man. And even of course, after Islam. So one day he asked the Prophet he said, will Allah reward me for my generosity before Islam? So I, I, I used to help a lot of people. I used to help a lot of people. And the Prophet said, Allah has rewarded you by giving you Islam. What was one of the first things the Prophet did in Hajjatul Wada? He said, that the interest dealings of the times of the past That's the authentic hadith, all this. And the Prophet's very uncle Abbas used to take exorbitant amounts from people for interest. That's in the narrations, it's authentic, right? But this was all pre-Islam, radiallahu anhu. Subsequently, he became a Muslim. Ya ayyuhan nabiyyu kul liman fi aydikum min al-asra'i ya'lam illahu fi khulubikum. The whole context there is the reversion of Sayyidina Abbas. So Abbas radiallahu anhu used to give money and then people, would, he would charge a lot of interest pre-Islam. And the Prophet said, I'm stopping all this interest. Just, you know what, cold turkey. That's the end of everything. I myself, let me end on this here, at least five people, of course I won't mention their names, they were living, you know what, in millionaire's land, right? They were living it up. They were millionaires by pound definition, and I'm talking in South Africa. But again, it was just hollow. It was misery, misery. So I gave this talk, and I said, listen, you're on interest, you need to come out of it immediately. So a young man from there phoned me after the talk and he says, I need to meet up with you. I'm like, okay. So we go out for lunch, we sit down. He puts all his assets before me. I say, you got to dissolve, you got to relinquish. And I said, at this moment, you don't look for prime price. You don't delay. Your aim is not what you're getting back. Your aim is to come out of the curse. Because he says, now put it on the market. I said, that's not your aim. You just come out of the curse. You let and he sold everything. He was owning condominiums, flats, properties, but again, not owning, owning, all attached to the bank, you know what? Living for the state, just close the curtains and wow, change the curtains and it's a different view, but it's not yours. It's just optical illusion and delusion and that's where the world is. And I told him, wallahi, I mean, I'm fasting, it's the month, release everything, relinquish. And he sold everything. I said, start renting. I said, you know what, use Uber drive simple he lost everything and i said start right at the bottom today mashallah he's made himself a good fortune and today he's become an ambassador for so many people somebody else subsequently became a very prominent family because that person told him that you know what they spoke to me and i said look here you have to go cold turkey you you cannot look there's an, a friend of mine he says i decided to surprise my family we were living in a house but i moved to another location and I took a bond and I took interest. He said, Wallahi, since we moved in that house and we came on interest and on a bond and mortgage, my children couldn't sleep. The fights were unending in our house. Uh, now it became a challenge because they obviously became accustomed to the comforts for me to downgrade and go back. You know, there are some things that with maturity and time, you will realize it. But the harms of interest, even if your eyes are closed, it will stay you in your eyes. No, Jazakallah Khair Sheikh. Uh, it's uh, it's been a real pleasure uh, to have you here, and you know I've I've really benefited and you know uh, enjoyed uh, you know listening to your to your wisdom. May Allah bless uh, you. May Allah bless you. We didn't do much of the poetry. Yeah, we 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 did. I think we got plenty of that in, and I'd like to thank the people you know in Masjid Salihin as well. Uh, it's a fantastic masjid. I, my dad actually used to live down the road, so I saw the old masjid. Okay. And, and now I see the new one. It's absolutely brilliant. Mashallah, yeah, it's uh, very impressive, very so, beautiful. Jazakallah uh, khair to them for hosting as well. Alhamdulillah, uh, may Allah bless you. Until next time, Assalamu Alaikum.